Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Well, let me ask you this. First time up. Uh... Joseph sees his brothers in front of him. Anything going on in his mind? It's been 20 years. Here's his brothers. They don't know him. He's second in command. (laughs) Ooh, this is going to be good. (laughs) I'm going to get really even with you guys. He said, well, Pastor Martin, nobody would think like that. No, everybody thinks like that. Am I right? I'm going to get you. Revenge, vengeance, retribution, these are the attitudes that come to mind many times when we're faced with the chance to get back at someone who did us wrong. As much as we know we shouldn't, the urge to strike back is natural, it's strong. As Pastor Mark recounts the story of Joseph, we find that time and again, he doesn't return evil for evil. This is, of course, a lesson for us to learn. We have to learn to rely on God's grace and learn to forgive those who've hurt us. Once we do that, we will find God's peace and comfort, as well as His blessing and favor in our lives. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Genesis chapters 42 through 45, with part three of his message, Real Freedom. So here's the hurts. Brothers rejected, lied, lied about for doing the right thing, rejected, abandoned, totally forgotten by the cupbearer. But see, all along, it didn't matter what circumstances Joseph was in. He was able to enjoy real freedom. Why? Because God says in the book of Genesis, God enabled Joseph to forget and move on. God enabled Joseph to forget. So Joseph is, well, he's forgiven, he's forgetting, he's useful, he's joyful, he's positive, while he waits for God to fulfill the dreams. His dreams were that one day God was going to use him mightily. One of the time, one of the dreams was that his brothers and father were going to bow down before them. In other words, he'd be in some kind of a place of leadership. Now, he doesn't know when this is going to happen. It hasn't happened so far. Well, we know the rest of the story. Understand this this morning. Being free is not about our circumstances. If you're only, quote, free when circumstances are good, this is the way your life's going to be. Paul and Silas are in jail, beaten, midnight, singing. They're singing. They're free, but they're in jail. That's Mark, that's an oxymoron. No, they're free, but they're, they're free here because they know God's still in control. Understand it this morning. You already heard it from Cheryl. The circumstances in life are not fair. Bad things happen to good people all the time. And they will till Jesus comes. And then he's going to correct it. 
You say, how? Join us on Wednesday night. We're telling you in Isaiah. It's coming, but it's not here yet. So what happens? Well, two years go by. Pharaoh has a dream. He asks all his wise men. They go, duh. All of a sudden, the cupbearer remembers. Uh-oh. You know, Pharaoh, there's this young Jewish boy. He can tell you a dream. He does. All of a sudden, one day, Joseph comes, comes to the palace, out of the prison. He's cleaned up, shaven, had a little manicure, the whole deal. Stands before Pharaoh and says, I can't tell you the dream, but God can. And the dream was this. There's going to be seven years of great plenty and then seven years of huge famine through the world. So take 20% during those good years, store it up, and the whole world will come to you as well as you have enough. There was a dream. Look at Genesis 41, 55. What what does God find? God works away way beyond anything that could be imagined. Joseph goes from a prisoner in a lousy, dirty cell to second in command in one day. Well, here we are a few years later. Look at verse 55. When all Egypt began to feel the famine. So we're seven years past this. The people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. Amazing. Here's Joseph. God is beginning to fulfill that dream. Skip on down to chapter 42, verse 1 and 2. Now, when Jacob, remember that's Joseph's father, learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, I don't have time to play with this one, but this is a great verse. Why do you just keep looking at each other? (laughs) He continued, I have heard that there was grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. What happens now is Joseph's going to test his brothers. There's going to be a number of times they come back and forth from Egypt. And uh, scoot over in verse 13. You're going to see that Joseph knows who his brothers are, but they don't recognize him. He's using an interpreter. Look at this. Joseph, by the way, has said to these guys, you, you didn't come here to buy bread. You came here to spy on us. Well, let me ask you this. First time uh, Joseph sees his brothers in front of him. Anything going on in his mind? It's been 20 years. Here's his brothers. They don't know him. He's second in command. (laughs) Ooh, this is going to be good. (laughs) I'm going to get really even with you guys. You say, well, Pastor Martin, nobody would think like that. (laughs) No, everybody thinks like that. Am I right? I'm going to get you. Well, here's what happens. Watch it. All of a sudden, it says in verse 13, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man. The youngest is now the, our father, and one is no more. They don't even know it's Joseph. Joseph said, I know that. You're spies. Here's how we're going to test you. And he says, basically, you're not going to leave this place until the youngest brother comes. So he says, I- I'm going to put you in th- prison for three days for you to kind of think about it. Verse 17 says he does. At the end of the third day, look at verse 18. Joseph said to them, do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back to your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, surely we're being punished because of our brother. Remember, they don't know this is Joseph. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an account, an accounting for his blood. By verse 21 and 22, just write this in your Bible. 
guilty conscience. The brothers had lived in unforgiveness. How long? 20 years. When the mention of Joseph comes, every one of those brothers plays the tape. It's vivid. Here's the part where Joseph says, don't sell me. Don't put me in here. It's as if it happened yesterday. 20 years in unforgiveness. Some of you here match that today. And if there's 20 years of unforgiveness, how much freedom during those 20 years? Zero. They'd never been truthful to God and asked forgiveness. They'd never been truthful to their dad and said, Dad, we sold Joseph. He isn't dead. We don't know where he is, but they'd never done that. So 20 years they've experienced emotional stress, mental anguish, and never been freed. But what about Joseph? How will he handle this? He's been doing good before, but he never faced them until now. Look at verse 23. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. And he, Joseph, turned away from them and began to weep. How can you weep? Because you've lived in forgiveness. See, Joseph, listen, he doesn't have a hard heart. He's got a soft heart. He now sees, because earlier in this, we didn't get a chance to read it. When the the brothers came in, Joseph's second command, what did they have to do before Joseph? (laughs) They had to kneel down. Joseph goes 20 years later, wow, the dream, it's becoming real. It's going to happen. Remember what I told you before, be careful. Don't get ahead of God. You can't manipulate God. You have to wait. For his timing in your life. It's been 20 years. Joseph sees them. His heart's soft. He's lived in forgiveness. He's lived in freedom. Even though he's been lied about. Even though he's been cheated. Even though he's been abandoned. Even though he's been forgotten. He's been in freedom. His brothers are in freedom. Never been in jail for 20 years. Living every single day. But every single day with guilt. Affected them physically. Emotionally. And spiritually. He weeps. Skip over to chapter 45. Now we go back and forth a couple times quickly. I'll just paraphrase this. Finally, they meet with Joseph again. They've gone back to get grain and come back. A lot of things have happened. You can read it later. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made known, when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loud that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. I'd like to have a heart monitor. You might need a CPR kit. He said, I'm I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. No kidding. And Joseph said to his brothers, I like this one. Come close to me. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Uh Uh-oh, it's over. It's done. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold in Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Underline this, circle this in your Bible. It's huge. Because it was to save lives. Look down at verse 7. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth. We'll talk about that next week. 
and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of the entire household and ruler of all Egypt. What did Joseph say? He said this, you sold me, but God sent me. Now, was Joseph minimizing their sin of selling him into slavery? No. He was just explaining that God overruled that sin and turned it into something good. God was able to take that difficult situation. The guy should have never done it. It was a sin. They sinned against God. But God took it and he rearranged the circumstance and was going to make something incredibly good. In fact, something so good that from this tribe of Judah would come Jesus Christ. What does that bring us to? Romans 8, 28. You see it on the overhead. We know that God causes 43% of things to work together. How many? All. Everything. To work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You see, God wants us to know the truth so we can trust him in every single area of our life. For the next three minutes, I don't want anybody leaving. I want you to listen to me. We're going to do two things at the end. First, I want to speak to you, our Christians. Are you living in real freedom? I know you're a Christian, but can you trust God in every area of your life? Are you afraid to obey God? Are you grumpy and bitter and complaining because of the circumstances? You say, God, what have you done to me? There's no way you're working it good. No, he is working good. Are you studying God's word? Are you staying in it? Are you obeying it? Have you forgiven and forgotten those who have hurt you? Have you moved on in your life? Or are you still living in this, this past stuff? What are you expecting God to do in your life today? Joseph was expecting good even while he was in jail waiting for God to fulfill the dreams. What are you expecting? Well, here's the truth. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. Joseph learned to trust him when things didn't even make sense. That brings an incredible amount of freedom to our everyday lives. In the end, God will work out everything for our good. And this morning, I'm going to ask some of you that are Christians in a moment to stand. Not now. By standing, you're going to do this. Maybe you've already forgiven those people and left those things behind. But you're going to cement it today. You're going to start living in freedom. And some of you, it isn't even about people that in the past. It's you've been afraid to trust God in everything. Maybe you're in a prison and Satan's been lying to you. And instead of listening to the truth of God's word, that where he calls you, no matter where you're at, that God will provide everything necessary for you to accomplish what he asks you to do. Realizing the potential we have. We do not have time to pussyfoot around in our own sorrow. The world's plummeting to hell. We have the only answer. And as a Christian, today, in a moment, stand, and you can be free. You say, it can't happen like that. Yes, it can, because it's God's power. And we're going to pray a prayer together. Now, by the way, when we pray this prayer, do I ever have to practice it again? Will you ever be heard again? Few of you, uh, let me tell you, you might even be heard driving out of this parking lot this morning. Who's that turkey cutting in front of me? What are you doing over there? Let me tell you, God has given us a great road to test our Christianity. It's called Wickham. 
I mean, it's the road from hell. If you can serve God in that road. You laugh at me, but I'll watch you driving out of there today. Better yet, I'll watch you at 5 o'clock on Monday. Am I right? You see, God wants to overrule that. When you're in the car, Lord Jesus, come, whatever. You can just, you can be joyful. If I asked everybody that needed to be delivered from Wickham, everybody would stand this morning. Here's the second key. Look at this verse. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. But look at this verse. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of, stop, those who love God. This verse, everything in life's going to work together for good. God's going to bless us. He's going to get rid of my sin. This only works for one group of people, those who love God. If you're not a Christian, if you've never asked God's son to forgive you of your sins, you can say you're a believer and you love God, but you'll never experience freedom ever. One day Jesus stood and made a bold statement. John 14, 6, he said this, I'm the way, I'm the, we've heard this word before, the truth, and I'm the life. No man or woman comes to God except through me. So I'm going to ask you to stand with the rest of these people this morning, and I'll have a prayer for you. It'd be the second part, and here's what I'm going to say, basically. You're going to pray this prayer underneath your voice, and you're just going to say, God, I want my guilt to be gone. I know I'm a sinner. I choose today by an act of my will to have my sins forgiven. I want to enjoy life. I want to go to heaven. I want to know what it means to serve you. If you'll stand in a moment and pray that prayer, God will change your life. Nothing will keep you from walking into freedom. Yesterday when I was praying, I was praying this, God, at the end of every service this morning, and I can't control this, but this is my prayer. May no one walk through these doors unless they're free. Christian, you've been a Christian. Your sins are forgiven, but you're not free because you've been afraid or there's still something to pass. you got to cement it today. you got to get through the past, and you got to start living in freedom and trusting him in every area, no matter the circumstances, and that'll bring freedom in your life. For those of you that have never accepted Christ, quit making excuses. You say, well, Pastor Mark, if I stand my, my son, my daughter, my brother, they sound, I've been a Christian for 22 years. Who cares? God knows you're not. Stand and get free today. I'm serious. God's doing amazing things in this church. It's in people's lives. If we'll be honest, he who the son sets free is free indeed. Nice words. Let's live it. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to bow your heads because I want you to stand. If you have something you want to forgive somebody, or you did a few weeks ago and you want to cement it, or you want to accept Christ, or as a Christian, you just want to get free this morning. You want to say, God, I want to trust you in every year of my life. I haven't. I see now that all things work together. I want you to stand. Now listen. Don't stand because your husband stands, your wife, or somebody next to you. It's not about that at all. Many people won't stand. Lots of people will. Those of you that don't stand, we're going to pray for those around us. You're not going to touch them. You're just going to pray for them. You say, well, will I ever be there where I need to be set free? Next week, difficult times come. We have to admit we need God's help, right? Don't we? All right. So those of you that want to stand to be set free this morning as Christians, and those of you who want to accept Christ, you just stand. We're going to pray.
Don't worry who's around you. Don't wonder why they're standing. Who cares? Because you're standing for you this morning. Let's pray. First of all, let me pray for those who are going to be accepting Christ for the first time. If you're standing to become a Christian this morning, here's what I want you to pray. You just pray this prayer with me and quietly under your voice. Dear God, I realize my sin is awful in your sight. I realize today that it separates me from your love. I'm sorry for my sin. Dear Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you. I want to be free of my guilt in my emptiness. I want to find purpose and meaning in life. And I receive you this morning as my Lord and Savior. Your word says, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, I will be saved. I confess. I believe. Your truth, I'm saved. Thanks for freeing me of my sins today. And let me just say this while we have our heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer at the end of the service, I'll remind you again, we have an elder over here on my left. There's only one way that I believe you cement that. Jesus said this to a group of people. If you won't acknowledge me as your Savior among men, I'll never acknowledge you in front of God. So at the end of the service, I want every single one of you, not one missing, every single one of you, just to follow over here to the left. And it'll take you about three minutes because you've already prayed the prayer. And just meet with a counselor and say this. I've become free today. I've become a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. We'll give you a Bible. And you'll walk out of this building free. Now, for those of you that are Christians this morning, you pray this prayer after me. Dear God, just quietly, you know my heart. Lord, if there's a person or circumstances that I need to forgive and forget, I name them now. Go ahead, just name them. Bring them back to memory. And by your power this morning, not mine, yours, I release them. I am freed from my past. By an act of my will, I've chosen to obey your truth. And your truth says that if I will believe you, practice it, that you will set me free. I receive my freedom today. And I'll walk in that freedom. Now, for some of you, you pray this prayer. God, I'm a Christian, but I've been afraid to take steps of faith. I didn't realize that I haven't really trusted you in every area of my life. And today, I want to just free myself to be all that I can be. Use me with my weaknesses, the circumstances, and whatever. Because I know that you're more than adequate to allow me to be everything you designed me to be. This morning, I release myself 100% into your care. And I'm going to walk out of this building free and expecting you to do incredible things in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, Pastor Mark reminded us of all the excuses we make to avoid reading the Bible. He also told us the importance of developing a Bible reading habit. We found out that our spiritual defenses are dependent on our familiarity with Scripture. We don't know what God has given us or promised us. We won't know what our defenses are or what to defend against. 
The message you just heard is part of a series entitled Prison Break, Real Freedom from the Hurts of the Past. You can listen to more teaching from this series online at LessonsForLivingRadio.com, as well as learn more about the church behind the ministry. We invite you to join us in person for our services at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne, taking place in locations reaching those in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. Find service times and directions to our campuses by clicking the CCM Church link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This concludes the teaching, Real Freedom. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin the message, Real Freedom in Action. We'll hear a real-life story of someone's journey from unforgiveness to forgiveness. And we will learn how to put all the lessons we've heard into place in our lives. We will find out actions we can take to develop a lifestyle of forgiveness. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team, your lessons for living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.